Hello, my friends. I greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus. I trust you and your household are doing well and are blessed. We are in the subject of the call of God. And this is uh, lesson number six. And we were actually yesterday, we were talking about how Jesus called his first disciples. And, uh, and now we're going to continue with that. And uh, we go to the Gospel of Matthew. And here we read about how Jesus called Matthew. And uh, so in Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 to 13, uh, excuse me, it says, As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a, a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office. And he said to them, Follow me. So he arose and followed him. Now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house that behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? <coughs> when Jesus heard that, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Amen. So here it says, Jesus went and he saw a, na a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. And he arose and followed him. Now, let me tell you something about tax collectors in the days of the, uh, you know, in, in, in the days of uh, the Holy Land when the Romans ruled the place. Now, in, uh, you know, in the days of Jesus. So tax collectors were the most, I mean, one of the m most despised group of people. And, they, and here's the reason why. Because you see, the Romans had a very uh, extortional and exorbitant tax system. Uh, the people were overtaxed. Uh, they had hardly anything left for themselves. And uh, everything went to Rome. I mean, they really looted and plundered, plundered the people through the taxation system. Uh, so what they used to do, what the Romans used to do, is that they wouldn't collect the taxes themselves, but they had Jews who they had um, subcontracted out the task of collecting these exorbitant taxes. So you had basically Jews who, and to become a tax collector, you actually had to buy that job because it was very lucrative. Um, because what would happen is that um, you would, uh, as you know, a person who is a tax collector would collect taxes from the people at that very high exorbitant rate. And he would keep a certain percentage from it as his commission. And so the more he collected, the greater was his own commission. And the Romans were very clever the way they set it up. So, so they had these Jews who were appointed as tax collectors and it was a very lucrative profession to be a tax collector because the tax collector would make sure that everybody paid their taxes at that high rate and he wouldn't let anyone off because there went his commission too. So what he would do, he made sure he collected everyone's taxes. Then he would keep his percentage, which was his commission, which was actually, you know, quite a lot 
keeping in mind the amount he collected from the people. But to, uh, so because the job of tax collector was the profession of, of being a tax collector was so lucrative, people used to bid for tax collecting jobs. You had, you had to pay the Romans to get, to be appointed a tax collector because, and people would gladly pay that large amount to be appointed a tax collector because at the other end you'll be making a lot of money. So because these, uh, uh, these tax collectors did the Romans dirty business of collecting these exorbitantly high uh, taxes from their own people, so these tax collectors were despised and hated by their fellow Jews because they were like collaborators. That's what they were looked at. They were looked at as people who collaborated with the Romans against their own people. They betrayed their own people. So uh, that's why uh, if you read the Gospels, you will see in what low esteem these tax collectors were held. They were always mentioned uh, in the same breath as sinners. They were considered like, they were treated like heathen. They were treated very badly because they in their turn used to treat the people badly and extort money out of them. Uh, so they themselves could have more. So here is a man called Matthew and Matthew was a tax collector. He was one of those Jews um, who was despised by his fellow Jews for being a tax collector. So Jesus he sees this man, Matthew, this tax collector, sitting at his office, his, you know, the tax office. And Jesus said to him, follow me. And immediately Matthew got up, left everything and followed Jesus. And I will go into the dynamics of this, how this happens. Now, after that, so uh, I can... I, I, I understand from the next scripture which, that Jesus sat at the table in the house. So he must, this must have been the house of Matthew because it says many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. So, uh, so Matthew evidently took Jesus to his house for a meal. And so Jesus sat with his disciples. And as he sat with his disciples, Matthew's, Matthew's tax collector friends and sinners they came and they sat at the table. So he was this crew, you know, his Jesus and his disciples and all these tax collectors and sinners sitting there. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, they said, why does your teacher eat with such people? Why does your teacher eat with sinners and tax collectors? Because we would never sit with them. But when Jesus heard that, he said to the Pharisees, he says, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Amen. So this is how Jesus called Matthew. But let's go back to the first verse here, verse number nine. And I want to do, I said this to you yesterday, and I'm saying this to you again today. I want, I want to show, show you why some people can immediately, without giving it a thought, just get up, leave everything and follow Jesus. Because that's what uh, uh, Peter, James and John, and of course, Peter's brother Andrew did. And now we see Matthew doing the same thing. Jesus just said to him, follow me. And Matthew just leaves everything and follows him. Now, 
let me it's it's very really hard to explain but let me I understand this because let me let me tell you my let me tell you my own story uh, you know I grew up as a Muslim and uh, I had never seen a Bible I had never met a born-again Christian uh, I mean um, uh, I did uh, there were some Catholic priests and nuns who used to teach me at school but they never told me about Jesus I didn't know what they believed and so I don't really count them as being uh, you know born-again Christians because then they never told me about Jesus they never even mentioned the name of Jesus all those years I went to school but uh, but I had never met a Christian who truly knew Jesus I'd never met a born-again Christian never seen a Bible and never been in a church and I didn't know who Jesus was except what the Muhammad but the Muslims believed that he was some some kind of a prophet and it was December 1975 and I was my life was a mess um, I all my friends my classmates had gone on and become very successful I was kind of left behind my life was a mess and I was suicidal and I had nothing to live for and I was walking down the road and I remember I was going to go to it was winter, December, it was very cold, and I was going to a shop to buy a, an electric heater. They had these things called immersion heaters. It's like a rod, you plug it in, then you stick it in your bucket, and it heats your water. Anyway, so I, I, was, I remember I was going to buy that, and then I looked across the street, and uh, I saw this man who was handing out tracts, a white man, a tall guy. He was over maybe six foot six or something, very tall. I'd never seen such a tall person uh, my entire life. So, uh, but I looked, I saw he had a look of great peace and uh, tranquility in his face. And I remember thinking he has something that I don't have. There is, there's a peace about this man. So I walked up to him and um, uh, I asked him who he was. And he said he was from England and he was traveling around the world telling people about Jesus. And he gave me these two tracts. Anyway, so I took those pieces of paper and I think I'd walked about a hundred yards, a hundred meters, when suddenly I felt, it was like something was tugging at my heart. So uh, I stopped and uh, I forgot about the electrical heater because by that time I was on the street where they did sell, sell those electric um, you know, um, things. And so I turned around and walked back to the man and um, and as I stood before him, he says, uh, yes. I said, sir, uh, I want to tell you something. And I began to pour out the story of my life and um, began to tell him. And then he said to me, um, he listened and then he says, you know, if you invite Jesus Christ into your heart, Jesus Christ will set you free. I've never heard of anything like this before because I thought Jesus was some kind of a prophet who lived thousands of years ago. I don't know exactly when, but he lived a long time ago. So uh, what happened was the moment he said that, uh, and, and then he began to talk, and he, then he said to me, do you want to receive Jesus? And I didn't know anything, but there was something about these words that gripped my heart. You know, there are things that uh, you try to make sense with your mind, but there are other things that grab your heart. And it was one of those moments, it grabbed my heart. It didn't make sense to my mind, but it grabbed my heart. And so he said, do you want to receive Jesus Christ? And I remember at that time I was thinking, this is what I've been waiting for all my life. I don't know what it is, but I'm waiting for this. And so I said, yes. So I bowed my head with him and I prayed a prayer. I said, Lord Jesus, come into my heart, set me free. That was it. Anyway, 
The next three days, I was in a daze. It was like God had a hold of me. I used to run around with my friends, do a lot of unclean, wrong things that I just lost the desire to do those things. I just, a lot of bad things I used to do, I just lost the desire. So my friends thought there was something wrong with me because I had changed like that overnight. Anyway, so uh, I, I started looking for these Christians because he had told me, meet me tomorrow at the YMCA. I'm going to tell you more. So I went to the YMCA. He was not there. I went the next day. He was not there. I went the third day. He was not there. But I just, I would sit there the whole day. Can you imagine from morning till evening, I would sit on a chair at the YMCA waiting for this man to show up. He never showed up. Well, then I saw a young man and a young woman walk in and they sat on one of the chairs close to where I was sitting and they had these shoulder bags and they were carrying out, carrying these uh, tracts similar to the ones that this man had given me. So I knew that they had something to do with him. So I walked up to them. I said, sir, uh, I just want you to know I need some help. He said, what help? I said, well, uh, one of your friends, an Englishman, a tall guy, and they said, oh yeah, yeah, we know him. He's our friend. I said, I gave my life to Jesus three days ago and um, uh, and he told me to meet him here the next day. I've been here for three days. He said, oh, I'm very sorry. He had an appointment and there was an emergency in a neighboring country. So he took the, um, he, you know, he just left uh, the country uh, the same day he was going to meet you. For, we are very sorry. Uh, his wife was sick or something, so he had to go. But how can I help you? I said, I said, sir, I've given my life to Jesus and um, for three days I've been going through this. Something has been happening to me and I want to follow Jesus. So he looked at me, he said, so you want to follow Jesus? I said, yes, sir, I want to follow Jesus. He said, um, do you know the cost of following Jesus? Uh, do you know, he said, do you know the conditions of following Jesus? I said, sir, I didn't know there were any conditions. So he said, sit down, I'll tell you. So he took out this uh, book. It was a small book uh, bound in red leather, burgundy leather. And he, that was a Bible. And he said, do you know what this book is? I said, no, sir. He said, this is a Bible. Oh, he says, hold it. And I said, no, sir, I can't. This is a holy book and I respect all the holy books and I, my hands are unwashed. He said, no, it's okay, just take it. So I took the Bible and he opened, opened the Bible and he put his finger on a verse. It was, um, it was in the Gospel of Luke chapter 9, and I believe it was verse 23. He said, read this. And he, and I began to read it. He said, read it aloud three times. And I read it, and this is what it said. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow after me. He made it, he made me read it three times. For what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his soul? That was the complete passage. So I read it three times. He says, so these are the conditions for following Jesus. Do you see those conditions? I said, yes, sir. He says, uh, what are they? I said, well, the first condition is that I have to deny myself. Uh, I have, he said, are you willing to do that? I said, yes, sir, I, I can do that. It's self-denial, I can do that. I can deny myself and follow Jesus. And then he says, the second thing, do you see that? It says, you have to take up your cross daily and follow him. I said, no, sir, I don't know what that means. He said, well, uh, Jesus died upon a cross. And then suddenly 
I understood because in the uh, Catholic schools I used to go to run by Catholic nuns and fathers, over the blackboard there was always a cross, a crucifix with a man hanging on the cross. And they never, and I used to sit and look at that cross and wonder who is this man and what is he doing on this cross? Why is he upon the cross? Because they had these little nails through his through his hands and his feet and why is he nailed to this cross and who is he and they never told me so when he said Jesus died on the cross suddenly uh, it's like a memory flashed before me and I remembered that crucifix and then it made sense to me and he said he died on the cross and then he took up his he says Jesus took his cross and carried it through Jerusalem to uh, to the place where he was executed so in those days, that is how they used to kill people, execute people. So if a man took up his cross, that means he was going to his place of death, his execution. So here, Jesus is telling us that if we want to follow him, we have to be willing to die. And he says, not only die, but willing to die every single day. And uh, every day, be willing to die. That Then he says that, then he said these following words. He says, if you're not willing to die for him, you're not fit to live for him. And he says, are you willing to die for Jesus? I thought, I said, sir, uh, just a few years ago, we had war here and we believed in jihad and dying. And if you die, you go to heaven. And I had friends who died that way and I said I'm willing to die I'm willing to die if that's what God wants me to do because I know my sins are forgiven and uh, that jihad thing that cause was not real I at that time I believed that was the truth but now I knew I believe that Jesus is the truth because he has changed my life and if that's what he wants that's what I'm willing to do he says okay then so at that moment I realized I could get killed for this thing because I suddenly remember hearing of people who uh, Muslims, fellow Muslims who had become Christians who had been killed by their families. So, uh, but the Muslims always said, oh, he's become crazy and he was going to go to hell and he dishonored our family. So we have to kill him. So anyway, uh, so then he says, okay, so uh, let's go out uh, and hand these tracts out to people. So he, he gave me a bunch of tracks. He says, look, I'll take this side of the street. You take that side of the street. And he says, just go down the street. Just stay with me wherever you see me. I am just stay parallel to me across the street and we'll meet soon. I'll come to you. But you stay across the street from me and hand these tracks out to people. I said, well, what should I say to them? He said, well, just tell them that Jesus Christ has changed my life and he can change your life too and everything is in these tracks read these tracks I said okay I can do that so I remember I used to be like a chain smoker and uh, I, 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 um, I took a cigarette and I, I lit up that cigarette and the young lady who was with this man he said to me what are you doing brother I said well I said, he said no shouldn't smoke he says it's not a good thing she took the cigarette out of my mouth. He said, give me your cigarette packet. I gave her the packet and she threw it away and that was it. Anyway, so I started walking down the street and I think I walked about 150 meters or so, stopping people, talking to them, 
handing out tracts. And then there was a stretch of street and I've been back there, you know, since then and still the same. I mean, those streets are so crowded in those countries, but that there's a little stretch of trees. There's some trees there along the pavement and there's no shops in that corner, just lots of trees and very shaded and nice. It's in, a, in the corner of two main streets. So I was walking past those trees to the other side where the people were and uh, and suddenly I heard a voice behind me and this is what the voice said and the voice said in English because my, my dad and I we used to speak English in the house and most of the time we spoke English. I grew up speaking English. So there was the voice, this voice that spoke to me in English and I still remember the exact words 45 years later and the voice said this is, it was an audible voice, audible voice, a loud voice, not shouting, but a loud audible voice. And it said, this is what you shall do the rest of your life. This is what you will do. Uh, you shall or will. Anyway, this is what you shall do the rest of your life. I will take you all around the world and you will tell people about Jesus. This is what you will do the rest of your life. I will take you all around the world and you will tell people about Jesus. I'll never forget those words. And so that was the time I believe God called me to preach the gospel. And, uh, and this is what the voice said. And I remember looking, turning around and there was nobody else. I was the only one in that, you know, area. And then first I was scared because I had heard a voice and I was not used to such things, but then something within my heart says, this is the voice of God. So at that moment, I knew God had called me and I was going to serve him. Now, what I was doing at that time was that um, I, had, I, had left, uh, I had left the military and I, was, um, I had just finished uh, a course at, at the Merchant Navy Radio Officers School. A radio officer used to be, you know, after the sinking of the Titanic until uh, I think the 1st of January, the year 2000, uh, every merchant ship had to have a radio officer uh, and uh, a radio because, you know, uh, a radio officer handles all the radio communications on a ship. So I, uh, I studied to be uh, and, uh, you know, a merchant Navy radio officer. I did the PMG-1, PMG-2 exams and you learn to uh, send and receive in Morse code and radio telephony and all that. So because I wanted to go to sea and work as an officer on a merchant ship. So I had done that. But at the same time, I found something that I liked even more. I was working as a management uh, training at the Intercontinental Hotels, which is a five-star hotel chain. So I was working as assistant food and beverage manager at the Intercontinental Hotel. It was a beautiful five-star hotel. We had, I believe, five restaurants. It was a fantastic and I loved that. I loved that career because I loved working with people. So I had that in front of me and I was doing that. And uh, then uh, I heard this voice. And so immediately, immediately without giving it a second thought i decided i am going to follow jesus and i'm going to preach the gospel now you might ask why would a person do that well you have to be in that position only if it has happened to you will you understand it because when the holy spirit takes a hold of your heart then uh, 
uh, you just do it. You know, when he takes hold of your heart, you just do it. And you just obey God. And God suddenly, as I said in the first lesson, when God calls, he interrupts your plans and takes a hold of you. And he puts you on his path, on his plan instead. And so from one day to the other, I embarked upon a journey which was totally unplanned and I was unprepared for it. And after that, I knew this is what God has called me to do. And this is what I'm going to do the rest of my life because I have actually heard an audible voice that said, this is what you'll do the rest of your life. I will take you all around the world and I will tell people about Jesus. And so, so I, I began to tell people about Jesus. And then I was, I was arrested and I was put in a mental hospital. Uh, and then I was released from there. Then they put me in prison for preaching. I spent almost a year in prison. And then they said, we're going to execute you. And they said, you won't come out of this prison until you recant and go back to Islam again. And so, uh, you know, I went through a lot of upheavals, a lot of difficulty, especially when you're in prison under a, under a uh, clause of subversion, you know, maintenance of public order, they called it. Uh, that means that... Uh, that gave the right the uh, right to the government to keep me in prison as long as they wanted to without any uh, any ex giving any due cause and you know i had no rights nothing but what sustained me during that time was that one voice i had heard this is what you'll do the rest of your life i will take you all around the world and you will tell people about jesus so when they said we will kill you unless you recant and go back to islam and i was willing to die i was ready to die because i had said i'll take up the cross to follow jesus i had made that promise i will but at the same time i knew somehow i'm going to get out of here and I'm going to go all around the world and preach the gospel because this is what God has said. And what God says speaks louder and more powerfully than any other voice. And this is my destiny. This is what God has planned and decided for my life. And this is what I'm going to do. And so that was the uh, beginning of my journey. It gripped me. And I, I spent almost a year in prison. All my classmates, my friends, were, by that time they were officers and they were doing well. And, and, and here I am languishing in prison. And, uh, and I, uh, I lost everything, lost my money, lost everything. And then I came out of prison. I was harassed. I, I mean, I, was, I don't want to go into details, but how they treated me, but I lost everything. And then, then they finally said that we are going to kill you. So with 75 cents in my pocket, I left my home as a refugee and I followed Jesus ever since. I went from country to country and I had nothing. But uh, today God has brought me to this place and I'm preaching the gospel. But that is because of the call of God. You might say, well, how could you like just like that leave everything and follow? Well, I just did. And... So I understand when it says people in the Bible, Jesus just walked up to them and said, follow me. And they left everything and followed him without really, you know, they just followed him. And so uh, how, why do people do such things? Well, they do so because they're gripped by the Holy Spirit and it has happened to me. And um, but the sad thing is that there were some other Muslims with me who, uh, who were also who had given their lives to Jesus. They were on the streets with me handing out tracts. And I remember uh, when the police came to arrest us 
um, we were forewarned in the morning that they were coming in the evening. Those three, my friends, they just bolted. They took off, disappeared, and they went right back to Islam. I never, I met one of them later on. He said, man, I, I don't want to talk about it. Please just, you know. So, uh, but, uh, uh, you know, it costs something to follow Jesus. But this is what I want to know. That the voice, that the words that come from the mouth of Jesus, those words are so powerful that they are able to carry us and to sustain us no matter what happens, no matter what the cost. And those words that I heard in December 1975 that said to me in an audible voice, that voice that said, this is what you will do the rest of your life. I will take you all around the world and you will tell people about Jesus. Those words have carried me and sustained me because they're the words of God. And when God speaks, it is always going to be so. So God bless you, my friends. And uh, if God is speaking to you, so in any way, just heed that voice, obey him. And, um, but we'll talk more about that later, but let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I, I thank you for my brothers and sisters. I thank you for your, uh, for their lives. I thank you for your plans and purposes upon them, Father. Put your hand upon them, upon their families. Meet every need they have, Father, and bless them, Father. Use them for your glory in whichever place you have put them, whether it be as full-time ministers of the gospel or in business or in the marketplace, use them for your glory. I thank you, Father, because you are good in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you, my friends, and may the hand of the Lord continue to be upon you, and may you be blessed in all things.